Hello and welcome to Just Football. Um, we are back again after a short break over Christmas. It wasn't planned, um, but it's just the way it's worked out. I've got with me today... Oh, sorry, I'll start by saying my name's Dan S. Uh, we've got Dan S hosting today and I've got Dan P with me today. So you've got Double Dan. Hi, Dan. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, we had a winter break. We we called a winter break, didn't we, in our league? So. Yeah, and we're not in Germany. Uh, we're not across Europe. We're in England and we enforced a, a winter break on ourselves. <laughs> so, um, so, so you're fighting fit now and fresh yeah that, that's the thing uh well yeah i don't know if it's done that um we'll let I've the listeners Ill- be the judge <laughs> yeah. i've been ill the last few days so apologies if my voice doesn't sound quite yeah. right um but yeah i think i'm okay but how how are you over christmas had a good christmas break i've eaten lots i've slept lots yeah, it's been good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm in that deflating stage now, where I've realised I've eaten too much and just trying to slowly deflate um, as as the yeah, year yeah. begins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was was a good break, um, and obviously we've had a lot of football um, since we last uh, spoke, uh, which is probably about two two or three weeks ago now. Um, so what I thought we would do is just jump straight into kind of how the, the Premier League table. Um, looks at the moment and kind of the different zones in the table and, and see how we feel. So at the time of recording, it is New Year's Eve um, morning. Um, yeah, so happy, happy New Year. Um, but, and, and the reason why I say that is because the Premier League table is in a bit of a, a flux at the moment because some teams have played 19 games and some teams have played 20 games. Um, and we, we've got a couple today, haven't we? Like Tottenham and Arsenal um, yeah. are playing today. Yeah. Um, Luton have obviously got a game in hand from uh, their the suspended, abandoned game just before Christmas with Tom Lockyer. Um, so yeah, so we are in a bit of a flux. But anyway, so as as the table stands at the moment, we have probably four teams which make up the top four, uh, which are Liverpool, Villa, uh, Man City and, and Arsenal. Villa and Liverpool are currently joint top, but um, Liverpool, City and Arsenal have all got games in hand. So we would expect Liverpool to kind of extend their lead. Um, but any surprises there, do you think, Dan, as, as a top four I think, against to Revolve? I think it's a Villa, isn't it? I mean, shout out to Joey, because he did message me last night to point out that Villa would join top. Um, I, think, I think it's just that. I mean, again, not saying that they weren't a good side, but we were saying initially, going back to that, one of the first episodes where we, well, I think all three of us said initially that Villa probably wouldn't finish in the top, but you know, to see them joint second, uh, joint top is is just brilliant. Um, what what I would say about the league this year is it just feels such a bizarre league. Feels more you've open, had, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's, I think there's still more twists and turns. You've had Tottenham, who, you know, they were getting a lot of flack for losing five games, but we're still in the mix. You've got. United, who everybody keeps saying is terrible, terrible. And yeah, they're not the, the main United of old. But they, I said to you last night, didn't I? They seem to win enough games to take the pressure off and then go on that run of defeats. You've you've got Arsenal, who looked really good at the start as well. And, and now they've, albeit only two points, and they've got a game today. But it just feels like it's all open at the moment. Um, as you said, it's... Yeah, it's twists and turns, twists and turns. I mean, City, again, were getting a bit of flack for, for going on a bit of a run where they weren't great, but they're two points off it. They've won They've won that World Club Cup thing and, and they've got a game 
Like that's a weird. Top. That's a weird competition, isn't it? That World yeah. Cup. Yeah. It, so it, it feels like a pre-season friendly, but in the middle of the season, like it's yeah. it's a bizarre <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. So no, if if so, sorry, surprise. I would say Villa being joint top, but that's a, yeah, that's that's a that's a nice surprise. Depending on who's um, and, would you and say top, they are title contenders? I think you'd have to say they are right now. Yeah. Yeah. They had yeah, that I chance, mean, didn't they? There was a chance they were yes. at home on a Friday night and they had a chance to go top and yeah. they lost the team. I can't remember who it was against, but they were at home. They should have won that yeah. game. Yeah, 20 games. They're second. I know the teams below them have, have got a game in hand on them, but I think they're in the mix. And and the only other surprise I would say, like I said, is I'm, I'm still surprised to see Tottenham is still in that mix after the, the, the dip we had. Yeah, I think I think there's a few surprises up there. I think Villa is a, is a pleasant surprise to be up there. Um, and I think they are in the title race until proven otherwise. I, I, I don't think you should rule teams out just by their name and, and yeah. whether they've been there before. Um, I kind of expected Man City to be cruising, um, but they're obviously not. Um, Arsenal, I feel, I don't think we've seen the best football yet from Arsenal. And I hate to say it, I think they're going to become even better um, as the season progresses. I think they're getting the results, but not necessarily playing brilliant football. And what, Arsenal are doing this year as well. I feel like they're beginning to consolidate the season they had last year, which is really annoying for me to say. Um, but I was kind of hoping that last year was going to be a one-off, but I think they're beginning to consolidate it. Tottenham, think, go ahead, sorry, go sorry. on. Now, all I, all I was going to say on that is, I think we'll probably talk about it after the January window could be one of the most important ones for a long time. I think yeah. We'll come on to yeah. that. Yeah, agreed. Um, Tottenham up there, who I thought were going to struggle to to be in the, the top ten uh, this year, so that's good. West Ham are up there after obviously Declan Rice leaving last summer, um, but they find themselves up in the European places with some big wins this season. Yes. Beat Tot- yeah. Tottenham away, Arsenal away, they've beaten Man United as well. I think there's one other team they've beaten as well. I can't think who it is who's, who's a big name, but they've had some big scalps um, this year. The the other the other big teams that we will mention is obviously Man, Man United are down in seventh currently. Newcastle obviously, I thought they would be going to be up over season, but they've obviously yeah. had a bit of a bad turn in form. Chelsea haven't really got started yet, so, so down in tenth, but not a million miles away from from the European places. But you know enough enough to be down there. Um, any surprises with Chelsea, Newcastle, or Man United? Newcastle, I'd say, would be a surprise. I I would have put them to be sort of mixing in at the top. So yeah, that that that's a surprise. Chelsea, yeah, I was talking to a fan recently, and you know, people keep saying there's a project there, but at the moment you can't see an identity for them. I think it's going to take a year, and I think they have to keep Poch because there's all these fans saying get rid of him. He inherited that squad, which wasn't his, a massive squad. So I think there needs to be a bit of time. And they've gone for young people, so it's going to take a bit of time. United, uh, no, because again, there's, there's seven. I'm not going to say it's terrible. Um, they're five points off, off us. It's it just, we're still not, you know, Man United aren't the Man United of old. And people still expect that every year. And that's the problem. They haven't been that team I think for, been, for many um, for... a year. For people in our generation and the fans of Man United from our generation, there's a, there's a sense of entitlement, isn't it? They should be up there on name alone. And I think they're finding this year, but that's, that's not really the case. And I 
I still worry. I know they've had this ownership um, decision over over the Christmas period, but I still think there's a long way to go. I, I just I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel for them, and I, I'm not yeah. sure Ten Hag is the people manager to get them out of of their rut. Like um, I said, they seem to win the right game at the right time to take a bit of pressure off, but then they don't capitalise on it. Yeah, but there's games like, I think back to the Wolves game in the first couple of games where they had that VAR decision which should have been, they should have lost that game and then there was a game where they won 1-0 down in the 92nd minute and, and still won. So I think they're stealing enough points to be up there but I don't think their form suggests they should be in 7th place. I feel like they should be lower. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are, just out of interest, they're the only team in the top half that have a negative goal difference. Oh, yes. Yeah, so they have. Yeah. yeah, which I don't feel like you should be in the top half if you've got a negative goal <laughs> difference. That, sh- that shouldn't be the case. Um, but yeah, yeah, they are up there. Um, so if we go down to the relegation zone. Um, so at the moment, we've got Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United. Um, Luton do have a game in hand because of their abandoned game against Bournemouth. Um, and if they, if they were to win that, that would actually put them above Everton. Um, but I feel like Everton are doing okay. Even with that 10-point deduction, if it stays at a 10-point deduction, I think they're going to be okay. They were. They, they've had a couple of results, a couple of defeats on the trot now, haven't they? And I think one was Man City, possibly, and us. Um, I, I'm still going to stick to my guns and say... Luton all survived this year. I said that. At the I, start, I really right? hope we do. Yeah. I think that'll be a massive success story. And I don't, I don't think we won a league where the three teams that come up go straight back down again. I, I, I think the more that happens, the more the gap between the Championship and the Premier League will exist. Yeah. And I think we do and, want and teams think, to come up and mix it up. Yeah, and I think a team like Luton, where they were non-league a few years back. That's the dream, right? That's the romance. Yeah. We keep talking about the romance of, in, in football, and and that would be a great story. Um, so yeah, I, I've still got I've still got Luton or Stale. Yeah, um, good. I hope you're right on that one. Um, um, and the only other point to mention down there is Nottingham Forest have got back to back wins um, after Nuno Santos has, has come on board because that's happened during our international break or during our. Podcasting yeah. break is that um, Nottingham Forest have got a new manager and Santos is, is back in the Premiership. Yeah, what a result last night against United as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I when it, when Man United equalised, I did think, oh, they've blown it. What a chance yeah. to beat Man United and they've blown it. And yeah, to get that, that win, to get that winner, um, good on them. And, and so, just on that, it's, it's interesting what you said about Nuno. So. Okay, new manager bounce, so you've got to give it a few games. But it'd be interesting to see what he does with them because we, we've seen it before. Like we said with Emery, was, was, is shown to be a really good manager, but was it just not the right team or the right time at Arsenal? And he got laughed out of Arsenal almost, didn't he? Now, look, he's, he's, he could beat, beat them to the title. Yeah. Um, I do wonder if Santos is just not a big club manager. Um, and that's why he struggled at Tottenham. But, you know, he was good at Wolves. Let's be honest, he was good at Wolves. And um, maybe he's the right man for a job at Forest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that puts him now five points ahead of a relegation zone. So they've got a little bit of points to play with. And to beat Newcastle and then Man United back-to-back, yeah. That's, yeah. that's two big wins, right? Um, so that is the Premiership um that i've got and then just to talk about some other sporting headlines so while we were away 
Um, actually, the last time we talked, we talked about sports personality of the year and um, oh, yes, yeah. who from who from the football world could be included in the nominees. And I mentioned that Mary Earps and Jude Bellingham um, could have could be up there. And Mary Earps has actually gone and won it, um, which is good. So not only was she nominated, she she won the event um, as well, which yeah. I think is is fantastic for women's football, really, um, and, and to get that recognition that they. You know, someone like Mary Epps and what she's done this year and how well she comes across, um, I think it's pretty it's impressive. Wrong as well. I think I heard she's in the honours list as well. Uh, I think what she did sure with, with I think what she did with Nike and, and the women's uh, football jersey and how she stuck with that and I've seen her uh, I've seen her in a few interviews and she just comes across so well um, yeah. with yeah. the way that she speaks and Maybe that's because they're a bit more modest than the, the men that we get used to interviewing and the, and the, the superstars that we get used to seeing on these on these things. Um, but yeah, so. very impressive the way she comes across. Um, just out of interest, she is now two, three, four, five. She's now the seventh footballer to win Sports Personality of the Year. Do you think you could name any of the others? Any of the other six? <laughs> no, uh, Beckham. Yep. I've got a feeling. Did Owen win it? Yep. Rooney? No, he'd never won it. So in, in the interest of time, I'm going to leave it there. I think two's quite good for me. So <laughs> Yeah, well done. Beth Mead obviously won it last year. Um, so she's so Mary Earps is the second lioness to win it in a row. Ryan Giggs won it one year. Um, okay. Gascoigne won it. And Bobby Moore. Okay, okay. Well done, though. Two, two is a good effort. Well done. Yeah, I'm taking that. Okay. Um, and the only other thing to mention is over at the Christmas, the, since we last uh, recorded, is I actually went to a WSL game, uh, Tottenham versus Arsenal, um, where Tottenham won 1-0. But the reason why I mention it, I found the whole experience of that day to be so much nicer <laughs> than like a Premier League game. I was going to ask felt... you, how did it compare? Oh, the... The fam- it just felt like more like a family atmosphere and everyone was a lot more friendly. There was actually Arsenal supporters um, sitting in the Tottenham end, but do you know what? It didn't matter because yeah, no one yeah. cared. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was just, you know, the stadium was half full. It was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, the, the stadium was only half full, but I just, I'd be much more willing to take my kids to go and watch that game than I would do a, a yeah, yeah. Premier League yeah. game, so it was, it was a lot nicer. Um, and obviously it helps when Tottenham win as well. Yeah. Um, cool, so I think you've got some other football headlines for us. Yeah, um, I mean, I've got a few things I want to bring, but actually I'll talk about the, the main news story I picked up on during, during the last couple of weeks. So it was about the European Super League. So do you remember that? So that was almost, I think, three years ago now that that was being launched. And do you remember it got announced? with what was it about 12 clubs from Europe and then all of a sudden the fans complained and one by one the clubs started dropping out so that the last three years we thought it all gone quiet but no they've been in court about it and on the 22nd of December the European the European Court of Justice stated that FIFA and UEFA had abused a dominant position by threatening the Super League clubs and their players with sanctions and exclusions. So basically, this now paves the way for a Super League to happen. And if I remember right, literally an hour after that ruling, 
the Super League, I think the um, who is the club? I think the organisation are called A22. They put out a new request for a Super League, but interestingly, this time pretty much all the big clubs straight away said that they don't want to be involved in it. Um, the only two clubs I believe that are interested still is Real Madrid and Barcelona. Now, again, the interesting thing here is a couple of countries, I know Italy is, I don't know about who the other one is, but trying to create regulations to prevent clubs from joining it. So I think I think it's going to be an interesting time because I think it'll be a few years before anything happens. But just a couple more things is, so the I think the leader of, or the owner of this A22 group said, basically now football is free. And if I remember rightly, I think I saw that they were looking to broadcast all the games for free. I think they were going to create an online platform and all the Super League games were going to be free for fans to watch, which, you know, we look at everything that's going on and the complaints we've got about football. As a fan, why wouldn't you want to see yeah. I do not do not feel like that's just an incentive to get you in and into it. And Possibly, then, you know, a few years Possibly. time that will change. And actually, now it's now a special Sky box office deal that you you need to, yeah. to pay a ridiculous amount a month for. But I've the one thing I would say though, right, as well on this, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Fans have always said it for a long time that UEFA and FIFA corrupt. It's all about the money. They haven't got interest in in the game. It's about money. So. Why wouldn't the potential for a breakaway league be appealing to some fans? They're not saying that you're not going to still compete in the Premier League, but it's guaranteed revenue. And this will link into another story I've got, which will be um, the reverse of this. But it's a chance to potentially break away, maybe form a competitive a competitor to UEFA and FIFA, who people for years have complained about. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting space to see what happens from this. Might maybe nothing. Who knows? Yeah, I, I must sorry. Admit, that, I, I must sorry. Admit, the other when, thing when, I was going to sorry. say. Sorry, 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 because it's important. The one thing they have also said is they're not going to keep it a closed shop. So what they have said is winners of tournaments in in countries could also enter. So Leicester would have gone into it when they won the league that year. Um, Girona at the moment, who are who are, I don't know if they're still top of the Spanish league, but potentially can't appear in the Champions League next year because Man City own the same, uh, Man, Man City owners own them. So they would then be in the Super League. So it probably opens up. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing the so-called quotes, not, you know, not my turn, not my turn, the second tier of football teams maybe going into it and leaving the top teams to compete on their own in their own leagues. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit when this, when this first came about, um, I, I, I generally didn't like the idea, but I don't think I understood the severity of the reaction um, that, that came across social media and, and kind of the, the backing down of clubs. Now, I, I personally thought that if they did something like this, it's just going to ruin the Premier League, it's going to ruin the Champions League, it's going to ruin almost like the last bits of good football that we have. But I don't, I'd never understood the severity of the reaction um, that it generated. I think, and I'm trying to put my mind back to three years, I think it was that the fans felt like it wasn't their club anymore, that decisions were being made purely 
crazy, you know, crazy it sounds for money reasons and that they were making it an elite club of the big boys, as it were. And I said, it's it more isn't that, that reaction. Isn't that what happened with when the Premier League came on board? Well, this is this is some of the uh, the hypocrisy that we see in football, like the amount they charge for games, the the, the three kits a year, the the fact that they will go on to these towards the fact that they're talking about potentially a game abroad. Uh, there is so much money in the game, and it's between so sort of limited of, of the big big clubs that something is going to change at some point and like I said I wouldn't be surprised if it might be not the the top 10 teams in each league maybe or well not every league but in the Premier League say it might be some of the other teams to try get in on some of the cash because it's it's just it's just crazy but yeah if another tournament comes along like this World Club Cup which I, I think has been going on for a long time but yeah it's been going on a while but I just, I just think we we hear of it less because it's not very often. It's obviously been a bit more lately that the Champions League team comes from the Champions League winner comes from England. Yeah. Or is yeah. it the European Super Cup winner? I can't remember which one it is, but but one of the two yeah. um, doesn't come from it's England it, very often, so we don't see it. Yeah, and you know when when if there's a couple of weeks breaks, clubs will go off and do a training camp somewhere and play tournaments elsewhere. It's it's. It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think what they've said is I haven't read the article, but they are working on a way. This is a twenty two are working on a way to win the fans back, and I think now, now they've had three years to think about it and see the reaction that happened. Then there might be some really good ideas that they come forward with to try get fans on board. But that's the key now. I think clubs were so quick this time to distance themselves. But let's see what the fans say. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Okay, and your next next bit of news? Well, to, on the flip side of that now, so I saw it as a brief thing flash up on Twitter, but there's supposedly rumours or, or murmurings that football unions could threaten legal action over the increasing number of matches that players have to play, which bear in mind what I've just said about the Super League and teams that want to potentially go into that. So at the moment, it, it, it stems or it boils down to the fact that take Man City this year with, or sorry, it'll be next year, I think, they could play 86 games in a season. Um so the person who is saying this is um, the Professional Football Association's chief exec, Mahata Malango. He told Sky News, I feel like we've reached a stage where people are ready to take legal action, where people are ready to take tangible action on the pitch to try to resolve it because it's a sad state of affairs. So the concerns are, I think, because from 2025, there's going to be a 32-team club World Cup. And that's going to be played when in the summer break, the Premier League. So, you know, that's another tournament or, well, maybe it's the current one, but it's being expanded. So, yeah, a team like City says if you win the Champions League and, and you do well in everything, you could be playing eight to six games. Um, which I know you've got some views on, but the, the interesting thing I found here as well is what I didn't know is it's mandatory in that FIFA, um, sorry, the conjecture, 
congested fixture list leaves players with little space for rest and recovery with FIFA yet to grant union demands for a mandatory 28-day off-season break. So they are trying to get a, a, a mandatory time-off break built into to the football leagues. But yes, yeah, so what's, what's, your, what's your view? I think they're a bunch of overpaid, spoiled brats, <laughs> is, is my answer. And I think there's a... We're talking about playing a football match, like like you just like you literally just said, is if they have a break in the football fixtures, they still train, like they still play football, like they they may not have intense sessions, um, but the, the absence is the, is the games, and I compare it to <coughs> I compare it to other sports, and obviously another sport that I follow quite closely is tennis and, and professional tennis, and the amount that players train, play. They play tennis every single day. They play tournaments week in, week out. You know, they may finish a tournament on Friday and then they're travelling to the other side of the world to play another tournament on Monday. I, and you, you could say that they control their own schedule so they can they can set up their own breaks, I guess, is, is the one difference. They're not, it's not compulsory to play in every event. But I just think there's sports stars out there who have a harder deal of this than football players in my personal opinion, and probably get paid less than they do. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is probably a reaction. So the the Champions League next year is going to be expanded, isn't it? So I do wonder if it's just a reaction to to having to do to do more. I mean, I'm in two minds about it. I was talking to someone the other day and, you know, devil's advocate, when footballers complain about this, like you were saying, it's like, absolutely, they get paid a hell of a lot to do it. They are managed out. So they have got sports therapists, sports psychologists, nutritionists, their diet, everything is, is you know, they are peak athletes now compared to back in the 70s when they were probably drinking a pint before they went on the pitch. Yeah. They are so, you know, have got everything. Oh, doctors and physios. So if they get an, an injury on the pitch, they're not having to miss work for two months while their bone heals or whatever. They've got state-of-the-art equipment. So playing three games a week, is that really a big deal? But then I and do they, think... And, you... they, and, they, and they don't, right? If Man City have a have three games in a week, there's no way the same 11 stroke 16 players yeah. with subs play all three of those games. They've got the squads or should have the squads to cope with that. Yeah, and, and like I said, yeah, there's rotation, there's, there's injuries, there's suspensions. But what I would say, though, is... If probably the teams it will affect, and and still the the benefits they still get all the benefits, but say squads like say like Villa, um, or even our, our squad because our squad isn't great. The pressures will probably be on those because your cities and probably from next year on Newcastle's will probably be able to to bring in a load of players. I mean, City have got probably a squad for two decent first teams anyway, right? But I think it's the, the the teams that kind of start getting that success, but have got that smaller squad. Is it going to affect them? Well, I I think there's been a general involvement to favour the bigger clubs. Um, and if you look at the kind of a, the teams that come up and how small their squads are, and obviously they're not playing European competitions, but I think in proportion to the number of players they've got and the squad size compared to what Man City have. Um, I think it's probably about the same, but 
you know, just after, I think during COVID, we had the, you know, the more substitutes rule come in, didn't we? And, and now teams can make a ridiculous amount of substitutes, but not so long ago, that was free. That favours clubs like Man City, who yeah. have a bigger squad. It doesn't yeah. favour Luton Town, who have come up on a, you know, Fredbear squad. And now, so I think over time, those, those bigger clubs have been favoured. And now we're talking about another thing that's going to favour them. And actually, it might be quite good for football if we don't keep on like pampering to the bigger teams. Yeah, um, yeah. I think take it back to free subs. If if yeah. they complain about too many games, just get knocked out a few competitions. Like, it's just don't do so well. This is the argument, isn't it? You're only playing those games if you're doing well. And if you're doing well, you're getting all the benefits that come with that, surely. Um I mean, my my argument would be it's the internationals. You've got all the friendlies that they play and then like this Nations League, which I know has got some weird, I still don't get it, but it's got some weird qualification route, et cetera. But surely it's that calendar we should be looking at as well. Yeah, a, yeah you, could, well you, as could scrap, you could scrap international friendlies, couldn't you? Um, yeah. If, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just... And the other thing I think sometimes that we forget, and you know how like sometimes me and you say we're exhausted because we're working a full day and then we're going to do this in the evening and then we're doing this at the weekend. This is their full-time job. They yeah. don't have a job on the side. This is what they focus on throughout yeah. their working day. So I, I think they just need to and get paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, get and paid it... handsomely for it. So I, it frustrates me when they speak like yeah. this. And again, what I will say, I will come back to it. And again, I know it's not the be all and end all because of, Physical exhaustion is different to that, but you know, you 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 go to see non-league a little bit now, don't you? I I you know, for for a number of years, I saw non-league, and when a player there breaks a leg or when a player there gets a bad injury, they're off work. They're actually yeah. losing their their income. Yeah. They're not they're not flown to their games. They're not driven in a nice luxury uh, bus to, to all their games. It's I know money isn't. You can't say money doesn't take away like I said, the physical toll, but when they have got all the professionals, all the experts, maybe further down the league, and let's look at, like, the championship, where they play, what is it, 42 games as standard in their league? Yeah. Plus, if they've got an FA Cup run and a league cup run, we don't talk about them, you know, we don't see anything from them, do we? And do you know why? It's because they don't moan about it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. They, they, they just get yeah. on with it, and I, I think sometimes the stars of these bigger clubs... When people start saying it's a, like I've heard some players say it's a risk to their health, um, and actually it's quite interesting because you know how um, Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer and Michael Richards do a podcast, yeah, and this came up on their podcast, and Alan Shearer just completely shot it down. He goes, "That's ridiculous." He goes, "These players are prime athletes; they play football. There's not a thing as too many matches. They just need to get on with it." And it, I thought that was quite an interesting take from a Premiership footballer who has also been at the top of his game and yeah. played for England and played in the Champions League, not very often, but you know, he, he has been there. But it's that's nice what to see him come out and say it's nonsense. That's what players used to say, I just want to play all the time. I just want to play all the time. I just want to yeah. be out on the pitch. And and if a player is tired, that's what they've got a squad for. And it's a manager to say, right, no, I'm going to take you out then. And, and that's that's supposedly what they've got the squad for, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
exactly. This will this will tie in nicely to a feature, but I'm going to do after your next bit of news or whether you're okay. Whether As you want me to do my news. next one, yeah. yeah do okay. your next bit of news, and we'll come back into about. And it's how, funny, it's how it used to. It's all it's all kind of linked, which um, is more good fortune than planning. But I'll say it's planning. So in January and February, we've got the African Cup of Nations and the Asian Cup, and they're pretty much running parallel. So you've got Afcon runs from 13th of January to 11th of February, and the Asian Cup from the 12th of January to 10th of February. Now. The reason I'm bringing this up is it's going to be, well, first you've got a couple of fascinating tournaments going on, but it's going to be interesting to see how this affects um, the Premier League based on what you were saying earlier about where we are. So I won't list all the players, but I'm just going to go through the teams and just say how many each of each um, or how many players each club is losing during that, that period. Now, again, not every player in these teams are going to be playing week in week out for their, their their team but it's interesting to see how how they're going to be depleted so Bournemouth are going to have two players missing Arsenal are going to have three but I looked I don't think they're they're, they're regular so you've got Elneny, Partey and Tomiyasu I think Tomiyasu has, has played quite a bit this year although don't quote me on that this is where we needed Dave um, Aston Villa are losing one Triore so not too bad for them in that sense. Brentford are losing four, Brighton two, Burnley one. Chelsea are losing Nicholas Jackson. Palace are losing two. Everton losing one, Fulham three. Liverpool are losing two. Now, whilst it might not sound a lot, that Salah is one who's going uh, to play for Egypt and Salah, I think, will be a huge miss for Liverpool during that time. Luton have got one player out. City are one of only two teams who aren't losing any players. So again, oh, for goodness sake! Yeah, so City have got zero players. United are losing three. They're losing Amrabat, Diallo, and the interesting one here is Anana. So he, I think, originally had retired from international football, hadn't he? Then he signs for United and then reinstates himself. So that that'll be interesting. Newcastle are the second team with no players going, which they probably need right now, don't they, in that sense, yeah. because depletion. Forest are the biggest team. They're, they're, they're having six players out. They've got Aina Who, Sorry, Forest, did you say? Nottingham Forest have got six players that are going to be missing. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Aina, Sergio, Willy Bowley, Kuyate... Niakate and Sangari. Sheffield United are losing two. Tottenham have got three, but they are big ones for us. So you've got Basuma, Son and Saar are all going to be out. And they're all regulars, right? Yeah, yeah Saar is obviously a bit in and out. But yeah, I yeah. would say they're three big, important players for our team. Especially now with a couple of uh, still ongoing injuries with Van der Ven, uh, Madison and Romero now. That'll be interesting to see us. West Ham are losing two and Wolves are losing four. So feels like we've been worsely affected. I think just having a look at it, I think in terms of the the key keenness, for want of a better word, of the players, yeah, I think it, it is a big, big, big miss for us. Um, well, let's let's hope their nations don't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in terms of numbers, it's Forrester who've got the biggest 
amount who are going to be out. But and this is sorry, this is what I was going to say about the the January transfer window, which is why I think for a couple of clubs, I think for Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea, I think it could be an important window because we. The big one everyone keeps talking about is Ivan Tony because he becomes eligible to play in January again, doesn't he? So, and I'm hearing figures of 100 million up for him. I don't think it's absurd for someone who hasn't played football for a year and a half or however yeah. long it is. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, yeah, yeah, on that. And I, I would also argue that Chelsea, Tottenham, and Arsenal could want a player like that at the moment. Probably could, but I just think 100. It it should be more of a thirty million lucky punt type type bet rather than a hundred yeah. million. That seems a bit absurd to me. On yeah. on the transfer front, I don't know if you noticed, but um, Hugo Lloris left Tottenham yesterday. Yes, yeah. And he's gone to is it Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah, it is Los yeah. Angeles FC. Um, the only reason I mention it is because I I think Hugo Lloris. I think it's such a shame that his last game was that Newcastle game where we lost yeah. like five one. Yeah. And he obviously got substituted at half time due to either he was angry or an injury. We we never really know what happened in that dressing room. But what a servant for Tottenham! He, yeah. Some of his stats are incredible. I think he's got the most Premier League um, appearances for Tottenham. Um, I think he's got the most clean sheets for Tottenham. Um, I, I think he's a goalkeeper who is probably about as close to world class as you're going to get playing for Tottenham. Um, and he stayed there for such a long time. He could have easily have gone to a in the you know the first half of his career. He could easily have gone to a Champions League regular club before we got there. Um, but yeah, it's, um, what, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame it's happened like that. So I hope he does get a game. You know, like a kind of like a friendly. Uh, well, I i I saw that there's going to be a bit of a send off today from for today in Tottenham's home game. Um, oh, okay. So okay. I think he might get a goodbye to the home fans, which I think. Is important because I think that is a player who's who served us well. Yeah, because Kane just went like that as well, and to see that video just from Larice, it, it is a shame because I know a lot of people criticise him at the end, and as you said, absolutely, it's a shame that was his last game. But you know, as you said, what a servant to the club. Yeah, couldn't, yeah, couldn't great, great ask for a better attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Are you ready for our feature? I am. Yep. Yeah. So I'm not going to do a quiz today. I did kind of oh, a mid pod. Oh, yeah, no, then I definitely am. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I did a mid pod quiz on the sports personality of the year because I thought that was more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I have done um, this morning is look over the history of how Christmas and football are intertwined, based on the fact okay. that we've just had a seasonal okay. period. Um, and obviously, it plays into your whole everything's too congested these days. We've got too many games, and I think what we forget um in england is that we have quite a busy fixture period over christmas whereas a lot of european nations don't and i I think we're kind of the odd ones out rather than the norm so we know that germany have just gone into a christmas break and that lasts about a month um i've got a feeling i think i've read somewhere and don't quote me on this i think italy have introduced haven't they in the last couple of years a boxing day game but that's the first in, in quite a while yeah, I was quite shocked when I saw that the other day because I always thought they had a couple of weeks off and then I saw games and I thought that's that felt weird. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that was only recently that's been introduced. Okay. Um, okay. But the, the most of Europe is off. And I did actually have a, a list of what nations are off for longest. But I think Germany tops a lot and they're off for about four weeks or off, off for about a month over Christmas. But Christmas and football has always been historic in this country and the tradition of playing on Boxing Day still exists. Even though it's been spread out a little bit, which I don't think I like. I don't like the yeah. whole play on the few games after, the few days after. I think everything should be on Boxing Day because that's the best, yeah, best fixture. Anyway, so we're going to take you back through history and go to what it used to be because we actually used to play quite a lot of games on Christmas Day, um, and that's kind of right, really? quite early. Yes, so I'm going to go back all the way to 1888, and I'm just going to pick out a few bullet points from history. So this is obviously quite a while now. But there were times where teams would actually play three games over Christmas Day and Boxing Day, uh, over over a two-day period. (laughs) So we're going to have to see what Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp think (laughs) of this setup. But as an example, in 1888, Everton played two matches on Christmas Day, then one on Boxing Day. And at the time, Everton played at Anfield. That was their, their home ground, which I didn't actually know. But Everton played at Anfield. Um, on the morning of Christmas Day, they played a Lancashire Cup game against Blackburn Park Road, and they won 3-2. In the afternoon, they played an exhibition match against Ulster, winning 3-0. And on Boxing Day, they drew 0-0 um, with, with Bootle. I don't really understand why they had to play the exhibition match, but we'll, we'll yeah. leave it there. Um, but yeah, that was 1888. 1889 um, saw the first league match to take part on Christmas Day as Preston North End beat Aston Villa. And that was in front of 9,000 spectators. So that's 9,000 people who decided to spend their Christmas Day watching football. And that's quite a big attendance in those days, isn't it? incredible, yeah. Yeah. Um, It became customary to play a derby match on on Christmas Day, um, your local rival, so you didn't have to travel too far. Um, So in 1819, Blackburn were due to take on their then local rival, a club called Darwin. Um, However, Blackburn had a match the next day against Wolves. So they decided to play their reserve 11, which Darwin were a bit unhappy about. So then Darwin decides to play their reserve 11. So it eventually became a reserve versus reserve (laughs) team. The fans were furious. And before the game, they went onto the pitch and smashed up all the goalposts. Oh, and, the no. match never, and, and, and the match never took place. So that's a Christmas oh, day. That's a Christmas day for you. Um, Merry Christmas! Wild, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Let's smash up the pitch. Um, um, playing on foot, uh, playing on playing football on a religious holiday was a contentious issue, though, as you can imagine, because at the time Sunday football was was banned. Um, due to its yeah. religion, religious reasons. So it wasn't actually compulsory to play. So I don't know how it is today. Players are required to play. Back then it wasn't. So you did get like major stars um, not, not playing. And quite interestingly, up until 1925, Arsenal were not allowed to play at Highbury on Christmas Day as the land it was built on was owned by St. John's College of, of Divinity and the, and the terms of their lease prevented it until Arsenal bought the land in 1925. So their first match was a 3-0 win against Notts County on, on Christmas Day. Now, going back to 1914 is the most famous, um, I think, or the most famous and most important um, football played uh, on Christmas Day, which was the First World's War Christmas Truce. 
which is one of these things where you kind of read about it and you think, did that really happen? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it did. And for anyone that didn't know, this was a, a day w- during the war where there was no conflicts and there was um, a, a day without conflicts and soldiers from both um, the Germans and, and the Brits um, were able, actually played football um, and I've got a quote here from the website. I said, a German looked over the trench, no shots, he wrote. Our men did the same, and then a few of our men went out and brought the dead in and buried them. The next thing, a football was kicked kicked out of our trenches, and Germans and English played football, which I think is is incredible, isn't it? You can imagine like a war field and a game of football yeah. going on going on in the middle of it. But it always gets me. It always makes you know. Is that if you if you think about it, the context of what's happening, and it just shows that you know they can get on. They can play that game. It's not them. You know, it's it's obviously the orders made elsewhere and higher up. But I actually think it's quite quite emotional that yeah that they they know what they were doing potentially to each other the day four and what they could have to do to each other the next day. I think exactly like. They're playing against, they're playing football or kicking a football to someone that may have killed their best friend the day before, um, or will kill their best friend or kill them a few days later. Yeah. It's yeah. like you said, it's it's amazing that these people didn't hate each other. They were just following orders from the, the powers yeah. that be to, to to have this to have this fight. And I, yeah, I think it's an incredible, incredible story. Um, so moving on in 1931. Um, so even though Christmas fixtures were popular with the fans and the clubs, um, it wasn't popular with the players who liked to have a drink. And in 1931, um, Clapham Orient, who are now Leighton Orient, um, their manager bought each of their players a barrel of beer. Their star striker turned up to the Christmas fixture drunk um, and was unable to see and then collapsed, proceeded to collapse on the field. Um, In 1937, uh, there was a match between Chelsea and Charlton at Stamford Bridge on Christmas Day. Nothing really about Christmas on this one, but the match was abandoned due to really heavy fog um, partway through the match due to poor visibility. But no one actually told Charlton goalkeeper Sam Bartram who paced his goal line for a further few minutes, thinking that his team were on the attack. And it was only when a policeman spotted him um, and asked him what he was doing on the goal line did he realise that game had been abandoned a few minutes before. <laughs> See, I always, I've always seen that, but I'd always assumed... Actually, no, because you sent it last night, didn't you? And I always thought it was one of those... Um, uh, what do you call it? You know, those things that have been said, but not true, but... He came from the QI account, didn't he? And and, and yeah. I think that's astonishing. Come on. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's but it's, it's hard. I don't know. I just can't imagine fog that bad. Like, I've never witnessed fog that bad where you can't see, you know, 10, 20 yards ahead of you. Like, that seems yeah. and, bizarre. And, or why it wasn't called <laughs> off before then. <laughs> you know, and did he not think, I've not touched the ball for like 15 minutes. You know, he, must, he, must, have, he must have thought his team were doing very well. But yeah, yeah. it's a... Uh, Quite a funny story, that. In in 1940, um, Norwich faced Brighton. Brighton turned up with only five players. One of these was a senior player, three were juniors, and one was a loanee. 
So they got volunteers from the crowd. <laughs> Norwich went on to win 18-0, <laughs> which I thought was quite, which was quite a good one as well. Um, during that period as well, um, again, a lot of teams played two, two games in a day. Um, so Leicester, and what they used to do is they used to play, it got traditional to play the home leg and the away leg against the same team in the league. So everyone was traveling the same sort of distance. But in, in around the 1940s, Leicester went to Northampton in the morning and lost 5-2. And then Northampton went to Leicester in the afternoon. And the reverse happened and they won 7-2. So which was so one team thrashed one in the morning and in the afternoon, Northampton got the win and, and won 7-2, which I thought was... It's uh, amazing how to... that works out, isn't it? It's Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's, um, it's quite funny. And I... What I like is the idea of if they play a match, they get showered up and get on the straight on the bus and go a couple of hours up the M1 and then uh, play play the next match. Still, see, it's astonishing they play two games on the same day. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible, isn't it? Um, it wasn't just in the UK, so there was also European ties um, played on Xmas Day, as Barcelona in 1955, Barcelona 11 took on a Copa. Copenhagen eleven in the Intercities Fairs Cup, which is which is the Europa League today. And this what I found interesting as well. Copa America also had some matches played on Christmas Day. Um, as really, well. yeah, which I thought was very surprising. That was in nineteen fifty five. Um, nineteen fifty seven was the last year of a full league program on on Christmas Day. And the reason why is because at that point they had invented floodlights, so they found other ways to ease their fixture congestion um, right. and didn't have to play it on a public holiday. They could play evenings um, after, after work. 1965 saw the last league game played on Christmas Day between Blackpool and Blackburn. Um, and in 1976 was the last Scottish league match played um, but the only reason that was the case is because they weren't as big. The Scottish League didn't play on Christmas Day usually, but they did when Christmas Day fell on a Saturday. Um, so that was the last Saturday right. on Christmas where the Scottish League was played. Now, this bit is interesting. In 1983, which was, is the year of my birth, um, they tried to revive the Christmas Day match when they scheduled a match between Brentford and Wimbledon on Christmas Day. And the quote that came out from the people organising it, and it, I can't even in back then, I can't believe someone said this. I said, we hope to revive the old tradition of the husband going to the football on Christmas Day while the wives cook the turkey. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, however, for some reason, it was protested, and that match eventually got moved to Christmas Eve, so it never... It never never caught on again um and there is still and today in today's world there is still a football match that takes place on christmas day which is in northern ireland which is where the stills still and sons cup final is traditionally held but this is for intermediate teams rather than professional teams that's, so that's really interesting in the sense of i yeah i didn't realize that well that games were played on christmas day let alone multiple games yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And I think for a while as well, they did 
where, where I said about Northampton and Leicester did reverse fixtures in the morning and the afternoon, they went through quite a time where they did reverse fixtures on Christmas Day and, and Boxing Day. Yeah. Um, so that feels, that feels a bit weird in itself, doesn't it? Yeah, you see, I, I wouldn't want games on Christmas Day because I don't think I'd be in a state to watch it. But we had a game on Christmas Eve this year, didn't we? Chelsea played and we don't normally. But something you said as well... Does it feel to you, though, that this year we've had less games? It's just that they've been spread more over? Because it feels like between Christmas and New Year, we normally have like three rounds of games. It's just every team plays on the same day. I think they they worked out that um, in a 15-day period, there was 13 of those days had games on them. And I think there was like a couple of exceptions, which... I don't know. Is I think it's the same. You know how games have spread away from a Saturday three o'clock. I think that bit's a bit of a shame, and I think the same thing has happened on Boxing Day. I think they split those games over about three days. Yeah, yeah. And I just I don't think there's any need. Boxing Day was always such a great day for football, and I've, Tottenham, who didn't play on Boxing Day this year, played on what the twenty seventh, didn't they? They played on the Thursday. Yeah. I felt like it was missing, like a having that game um, on a boxing day to look at. Yeah, and I know it's because you get to see it on TV then, but there's something more exciting about knowing all the teams are playing at the same time because you see the results affect the league in real time. Like like now, it's taken four days for this round of uh, fixtures, so we won't know who's potentially going to be top until the end of tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think, like you said, it's nice that we can see more games live but it's also a shame that we've come away from that tradition. Yeah. yeah. And we, we should also say, you know, because obviously Germany are in the middle of a, a mid-season break, and I forgot this happened, but we do mid-season breaks now, don't we? But it's staggered between the teams. Yes, it's, and it's just one week, I think. It's just, what, it's just one week, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, or oh, sorry, one game, isn't it? Well, I think one league game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but that's in, in February, I think, which feels a bit late then. Yeah, it does feel a bit late. And there's probably, you know, a load of cup matches at the time. And, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but you know, going back to, like, your point about people play, think, feeling like they're playing too much, when you think of where it used to be, and obviously there's probably less league games back then, and you know, there probably wasn't as much European competition, but to think of playing three games over two days... Maybe the training wasn't as intense because they weren't as professional. I, I don't know, but it's, there's obviously major differences yeah. between then and now. That's the thing, though. You, you could say that now they are. That, that it's it's harder for them now because they are they they do have to run more. Maybe it's more strenuous, but they've got all the the equipment and all the techniques and all the ex- experts. Back in the day, they were running on a boggy pitch, kicking a ball that probably weighed twenty times the amount it does now. It's yeah. it's. Is you can't compare the two the two times I think. Yeah. So it, would you would you give players a, a mid season break? Would you let them have Boxing Day off or Christmas off? No, because I want to see I want to see football yeah. on that day. <laughs> I'm purely selfish. I love the the Christmas time football. Yeah. And that's what we're there for. Right? That is their jobs, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. professional football is football is to entertain the fans. Yeah. 
Now, ask yeah, me if so. I was a player, would I want to play it? Because <laughs> that's a different matter, probably. But no, as, as a viewer. If, if I was getting paid the amount now, yeah. I wouldn't mind skipping the old Christmas. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They, 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 they retire at 30. They've got all those Christmases to come. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's all I've got today um, with the absence of a quiz. So we'll just say you won the quiz this week because there yeah. wasn't one. There was one um, more thing. So, because Joey's just literally reminded me as we're talking. Do you want to talk about that that stunning goal from yesterday? Oh, is was it our brof? It was uh, our brof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, correct me if I'm wrong on any of the facts, but our brof were playing a match, and I'm assuming I haven't read the full details, but I'm assuming they had a situation where there was injuries. They didn't have the right players on the bench, so their reserve goalkeeper came on as a striker and he scored an absolute screamer um, of a goal from, from outside the area. Um, so for anyone that hasn't seen it, please look it up on, on X or social media. I think I shared it on X yesterday. So it did. is yeah, it's it like is thirty yards or something, isn't it? It's it's a, and it's, it's like a it's like a half folly, and then he twists yeah. around, doesn't he? And, on and the shoots turn, in the yeah. Net. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, yeah. He's got his back to go. He just turns around and hits it. <laughs> what a goal! Yeah. So Super. yeah. So so please give it a look. And I'm just wondering if he's rethinking his life choices about being a goalkeeper, um, and maybe he's just like being on field player. Because it's funny because when you sent that to me initially. Couldn't work out, so he doesn't look like a keeper. He's got he's got the outfield kit on. And then then when I read it, I realised yeah they had to put him out on pitch. Yeah. And you you wouldn't you know that that goal you could see by any of the top teams or any of the top nations. You know, yeah, that's that's well, to, to to put it in respect. If if Lionel Messi had scored that goal, we would all be talking about it. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. it's it's not yeah. like it's. It's good because it's a reserve goalie. It's a good goal by any professional player in the world. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. So what does the striker he's had to replace think about this? I wonder. <laughs> he's watching from the sidelines thinking, oh, my place, my place is at risk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. And what's quite good is we've gone through a whole episode without mentioning VR referees. So that's quite good. That must be a first. Oh, it's Christmas it's season of goodwill to VAR. Yeah. Let's do yeah. that. Although, although there was one, it's too late. We can't get into it now. But there was <laughs> one, wasn't there in a particular game? So, well, I, I think it's been a been a few. But we'll we'll pick it up cons- next week. It's been consistently inconsistent. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about it next time. Cool. Anything else you want to mention, Dan? No, I just got a couple of shout outs. If that's okay, I would like to shout out. Joey, Joey Fitz, um, and also his co-hosts at the Game Club Pod, so Slade and Tim, and also check out Joey and Tim have got a another podcast called Two Blokes from Blighty. So yeah, check out the Game Club Pod and Two Blokes from Blighty. Well, just why, just while you're talking, sorry, why are you talking about Joey? Um, so just before Christmas, we asked on social media about Christmas themed footballers, and I think yeah. he came up with probably the best one I've ever heard which is a manager of Alan Pardew in a pear tree. And I think that was... Um, I think it was very good. I think that, that, that my one chuckle. didn't get enough love, I think. I can't remember what ones I did. Oh, I did Andy Carroll. I still think that was the best one. Um, <laughs> but, no, but, <laughs> um, and actually, Joey, we've got your, your list of teams. I'm going to save them for next week. So, yeah, 
look out for that next week. Um, so yeah, Game Club Pod and Two Blokes from Blighty and also a quick hi to the chaps over at Seismic Cinema. Cool. Well, thanks all. Apologies for it being uh, a few weeks since we released. We're going to try and get more regular as we hit the new year. So I'm not sure when this is being released, but Happy New Year to everyone and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Just Football. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please share with your friends and family. We're available on all podcasting platforms and you can follow us on X at Just Football Pod. In the meantime, keep your head up and your eyes on the ball.